Welcome to Gospel Reframe. This podcast is here to encourage you to spend five more minutes reframing your day with the hope of the gospel. In each episode, we will consider the gospel implications of a particular passage from the Bible and savor them together. Here's your host, Jim Weaver. Hello, friends, and thank you for joining us for another episode of Gospel Reframe. We've entitled this series, Beyond Easter, The First 50 Days. We're exploring the first 50 days of Christianity. In this episode, we're looking at the 10 days between the ascension of Jesus and Pentecost in the very first chapter of Luke's Acts. Luke tells us that the disciples of Jesus were in a holding pattern for 10 days. But from all we know, they didn't know it would last 10 days. All they knew is that Jesus had told them to wait in Jerusalem for the promised Holy Spirit. So, in obedience to their master, they returned to Jerusalem and began their waiting. Now, what's of particular interest to me is how they waited and how this fledgling Christian community took shape during these first 10 days with Jesus on his throne. The first thing Luke tells us is that all the disciples were together with one accord devoting themselves to prayer. So, despite the physical absence of their master, there was unity among the disciples. They were of one accord. So the group didn't fall apart or start bickering with each other about waiting in Jerusalem for what must have seemed a very mysterious promise, the Holy Spirit. And in their waiting, they devoted themselves to prayer, which may have been their secret to unity. Jesus had modeled this for them and even taught them how to pray while he was with them. But now, through the gospel, they had been given access to the Father through the crucified, risen, and exalted Son. The throne room of heaven was open for business, you might say, with Jesus, their faithful intercessor, on his throne. From a survey of the history of revival, we see that every revival is preceded by a sustained movement of prayer. When God wants to bring revival, the first thing he does is unify his people in prayer around the throne of Jesus. Sustained corporate prayer. Pentecost would be the revival to spark the New Testament church and world evangelization, and the lead-up to all of this was 10 days of prayer. The second thing Luke tells us is that those praying during this 10-day waiting period were a mixed group of men and women that included Jesus' own mother and Jesus' brothers. Now, this is fascinating on at least two levels. First, Jesus' brothers were not believers in him during his earthly ministry, but now, after the resurrection, they've come to accept him. And not only have they accepted him, but they've been accepted into the Christian community. And from this point forward, would play an important role in the growth of the church. But second, the Christian community continues now as a mix of men and women in prayer together as equal, full-fledged members. Now, it's hard to overstate just how revolutionary this would have been for the time. But at the temple for the Jews, there was a special outer court for all the women to pray apart from the men. Women, you see, were held hostage to the guilt of Eve's sin in a way that resulted in massive mistreatment for thousands of years. The gospel comes along, and it doesn't collapse the distinction between men and women, but the gospel does say that men and women are both sinners created in the image of God and in need of grace. 
You see, friends, the gospel elevated the place of women and sparked a revolution in the treatment of women that the world had never seen before. Finally, while the fledgling Christian community is waiting out these ten days in prayer, it occurs to Peter that they must choose someone to replace Judas as the twelfth apostle. Now, some have suggested that this was a big mistake and the man chosen to replace Judas, Matthias, didn't amount to much. Others say that the apostles should not be rolling the proverbial dice to see who should replace Judas as the twelfth apostle. But a careful reading of the passage shows that Peter was being obedient to Scripture and wanting to replace Judas, who left a vacancy through his defection and death. So after careful inspection of all qualified candidates, there were two equally qualified men for one role. So what should they do? Well, the text tells us first they prayed, asking the Lord to providentially guide their selection, and then they cast their lots. Now, the casting of lots isn't what's important here, and I'm not suggesting in the least that it's a good way to make decisions. But sometimes in life, the biblical decision-making process leads us to two equally viable options. And when that happens, we can either be paralyzed by fear from doing anything, or we can pray and make a decision trusting that God's providence will never fail us. Friends, let this truth reframe your life today. As forgiven sinners and as the children of God, God is for us in our limited capacity to make clear decisions all the time. And Jesus is on his throne, sovereignly accomplishing his will in our lives, even in our bad decision making. You might say that the gospel frees us to make very difficult and sometimes risky kingdom-minded decisions. Thanks for listening to Gospel Reframe. For more information about this podcast or to listen to other episodes, visit gospelreframe.com. Thank you.